Today's guest, Jamie Turner. We do see some statistics in the HR industry where early HR professionals are leaving the industry overall because maybe they weren't sure it was the right choice because first coming in to, to this environment, they, they feel like this just it's too much, it's too emotional, it's too difficult to handle, and you need some emotional intelligence. But you also need some cycles behind you to see that um, there are going to be scale up and scale down times, and you, you need to just kind of get through some of those cycles to then have um, a little bit more of a mature way to look at it. But if you're in an HR leadership role, recognizing that there may be some people on your team who haven't had those cycles yet and haven't had to go through those changes of such scale. Um, even if it's just one resignation in the month, that, that can be difficult for the person who maybe spent all that time onboarding them <laughs> and they feel personally left behind. It may have been a good friend of theirs. It may have been a good colleague or someone they really enjoyed being in meetings with or having a coffee with, whatever it might be. So recognize that the HR professionals are really, they're feeling it too. Change fatigue is, is affecting them. How can you battle it? Talk about it. Make sure they know the value of the role. Help them, remind them of the value they bring every time and help them as a group support one another. Um, as you said, set up the partnerships within the organization to best really recognize how you can provide those transactional things for them when they, what they might need on an ad hoc basis with changes that come up. Um, and that's just some first, you know, fundamental steps that you can do as, as an HR leader within an HR team. Jamie and I talked about change fatigue, especially a lot of change happened over the past three years to organizations and HR professionals. And we had seen ups and downs, inflation, COVID, um, the great resignation. And we also talked about the importance of transactional work still, plus also partnerships and many HR tips from her experienced viewpoint um, as she worked at global levels um, since years. So it's a really insightful episode for everyone who wants to understand more about DHR function and how it developed in the past recent years. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Great, Jamie, to have you here again. We met already at several occasions, I think one and a half years ago, roughly, when you with Adinao organized a dinner and uh, we with Peoplewise supported you still then. And then That's suddenly right. we did a CHRO dinner um, where you also were there. And now we are here doing podcasting um, today. So I'm looking forward to that. And maybe we can start a bit with um, an introduction about yourself. So give us a bit about context of what What, what you did, who you are, and um, yeah, let's sure. start with that. Okay, cool. Thanks, Thomas. Anyways, first, I um, want to say thank you for having me on today. It's really exciting to be here, and uh, it's been really nice um, getting to know you and, and your team, and um, yeah, happy to be here today. About myself, um, just very briefly, my background, um, you can probably tell by my accent, I am born and raised in America, I'm my hometown in Michigan. Um, and I spent there, uh, you know, the, the very early years of my career, um, 
working on um, generalist roles in HR, spent a lot of time um, finding my way and, and just getting exposed to a lot of different kinds of roles in HR, but mainly with the generalist focus in a very large automotive organization, which then I had a great opportunity to take an expat uh, assignment over here in Berlin. So I moved over here in 03, so it's now 20 years. Um, at that time, I uh, was diving into um, development topics, and I was mainly focusing on transition management, so those that are moving from individual contributor to manager for the first time. So I spent um, three years of my life in the classroom with all new leaders, taking them through um, different um, sets of curriculum to help them develop their management skills and, and reflect and develop and create career paths for them. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then I moved to Vienna, moved to Austria. I was there working also for a very large company in the oil and gas industry, um, and there I took on a role to manage the entire learning and development department. Um, we went through some M&A with, with another very large organization in, in Romania, so I spent a lot of time in Bucharest, lived there for almost a year uh, in, in a hotel, <laughs> which was a lot of fun, um, and built up their learning and development um, from a, a group perspective across their 50,000 employees collectively in, in that organization. And then I moved back to Berlin, where um, my heart has, has been for a very long time. And also uh, my husband and I, we have children, so we wanted to, uh, to raise them here in the diverse city of Berlin. So we got back here in 2014, and that's when I switched to more of a of a generalist role within HR, but in terms of strategic HR. So I started to work in in the entertainment industry in a post production environment where my boss was based in headquarters in LA. We did a lot of work with the Hollywood studios. Uh, we had Fortune 500 companies working with us, and we had um, you know very big names that we were we were working together with. Our organization was all over uh, the globe. We had um, 50 some locations. I was responsible for HR for 23 locations in Europe, um, and that's where I had like all HR matters, anything to do and everything to do with HR. Um, so that was, again, kind of taking my scope rather more into a broad spectrum, but at, at a strategic management level in the, in the VP level. Um, then I moved over about two years ago to accept a challenge with um, a company in a startup phase who was just sort of getting into the scale up phase of their startup. And that was a lot of fun to take on because they needed that generalist VP view, strategic long-term focus on what to build for um, their future um, based on where they were and where they wanted to go. Uh, so I had to, to take, you know, take on a completely different sort of challenge in a different environment, build up the team from scratch, put in the fundamentals of HR practices that would last them um, long-term and bring in some sustainable um, solutions for them. So that's where I'm at. That's uh, 25 years or so in the HR um, um, area and, uh, you know, really spanning across mainly Europe for the last 20 years, but having a lot of experience in American uh, environments and companies as well. Nice. So you have a, a ton of experience. And now I would like to hear a bit more about um, what you think with your experience few on certain also recent developments maybe because I think the whole people HR field especially in the past I would say three years really went through a lot or over organizations overall but then derived to that I think the HR function um, had a lot of um, ups and downs to deal with the whole topic around this great resignation inflation now 
COVID. <laughs> so how do you look at um, all these topics from your perspective? Um, that would be super interesting. Yeah, it's great to talk about this because uh, I know that this is something that you know you see and feel from your from your company and the services that you offer um, back to to your clients as well. Um, and from my perspective, over the years, seeing this develop and continuously, you know, bring us into a new set of circumstances, um, there are a lot of things going on. And you know, there's there's a lot of um, discussion on how this is actually impacting the HR community. And the HR individuals and professionals that are out there on, on the front lines, if you will, of all this change. Um, so that's that's something that I like to look at. Obviously, we we focus in our HR profession on supporting the manager, supporting the strategy of the organization, and putting that in balance. What the managers, the employees, and our clients need, always having that in balance. But certainly, I I also have to look out for you know the HR professionals, and I look at well, what is happening to our industry of HR because of these changes. So um, that's where I would put my answers for, for this podcast, rather uh, focused on how it's impacting the HR professionals. Okay. And I think that um, I'm seeing, I mean, I, I don't know if you, you're also seeing this working with, um, with your team, but I am seeing um, certainly a lot of discussion in the HR communities around change fatigue of HR professionals. Um, seeing a lot of white papers out there about this, um, a lot of just discussions on webinars and different types of um, platforms and medias around um, how, how how employees are getting change fatigue because their organizations are changing so much, their family situations are changing so much, or their surroundings are changing so much. And then when you have something really small happen, like, I don't know, construction gets set up out in front of your house, you just lose it, right? Because the Patience isn't there anymore because there's just so much volume of change. Mm. So if you think about the HR professional who's dealing with supporting that change in the manager, supporting the change of the employees, the HR professional also is, is quite impacted. Um, I had this I had this situation uh, a couple of weeks back where um, I just by chance struck up a conversation with someone and found out that she was in HR in a recruiting uh, position. And I said, well, tell me about what you do. Tell me what you're seeing on the market and how it is for you. And she said, she, she didn't know what, what my profession was yet in this um, in this exchange. And she said, well, I'm in HR. I'm pretty early in HR, about five years in doing recruiting. And she said, but I'm really tired. And she just kind of like, like let out this big mm. sigh. And my heart just kind of went out to her. And I was like, you're only five years in. This should be like your motivation time. This should be the exciting time, like your prime, like you hit the ground running and you're just learning how stuff goes and you're seeing cycles and stuff. But she was really losing heart. And uh, she started to explain to me, um, you know, seeing um, people that she placed in roles already leaving their roles and people who she would then, you know, talk to on the market, looking for new roles and why they were looking and um, just internalizing a lot of their decisions to change in their lives was affecting her personally and her work. And she was just feeling so deflated um, by so much change and so much volume of work, like constantly the manager's calling her, asking her to do new recruiting uh, projects with them. And there's another vacancy or working with her to, 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 you know, achieve some of the um, changes that they have long-term, but having to deal with all of the day-to-day -day changes in this, in the, in the staff. So I don't know which industry she was in or which company she was working for, but it certainly was affecting her, her ability to do her job well. 
In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, Jamie, I think this is also what I see and saw, especially when there was COVID. Suddenly, everybody feared their job in recruiting, for instance, or in HR maybe less, but in, in the recruiting side, yes. And out of a sudden, there was a ramp up like never before, especially in the tech field, where everybody needs to hire like crazy. I, I had clients where we had recruiters in there where some people handled 40 requisitions at a time. But it was not like one job and 40 openings to fill within this one job. It was maybe 30 different jobs and 10 to 15 different managers. It's, it's just not possible to deliver on that, especially yeah. if additionally to that, all the things are changing on a bi-weekly basis, maybe. Yeah. So that's that's tough. And then later on, there we are coming into the point of inflation, where you had a crazy, crazy time, and maybe really 50% of the people you then hired as a recruiter are getting laid off. <laughs> it's not nice to see that, um, but that was the reality of the past two to three years. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so... You, you've seen that obviously within, you know, your teams and your, your clients and they're scaling up and they're scaling down and they're scaling up and they're scaling down. And I think that's where we're seeing organizations just trying to, um, really build sustainable growth. And that's, that's tough to do when the environments around you are changing constantly. And that's where I see the HR professionals who may be five years in or maybe 25 years in, you know, just, yeah, I guess today I was just hoping if, if there's any listeners here today feeling that, that I could offer some words of advice to just, you know, find a way to compartmentalize and recognize what you're there to do in your role. And that will help one to understand the value that they bring and understand where they can actually um, bring a solution or solve uh, that particular issue. And I think one way to do that, one way to look at it, just to be a little bit more specific about it and not so vague or strategic about it, but um, I've been part of a lot of different team events where I've found that a very um, successful exercise can be one where a team just talks out loud about their own roles what they think is the most important thing in their job, what what the purpose is of their job and what they personally then bring to the role because of their experience or their perspective or mindset or skill set. And hearing that out loud amongst your team, if you're an HR team looking for something to do on your next workshop, your team building, it's a great way to do. It's a great way to bring um, the reminder of the value that every HR professional brings to their role because if you can keep that in mind when you're dealing with all of these changes, like, okay, the value I bring in this role is helping this person through a transition. It's really tough. They've just gotten the news that they got laid off or that they need to, you know, pack up their things and go, or they have, you know, a month to hand it over. The position was cut, budgets were cut, whatever it might be. But that individual is talking to an HR professional for help to get through that situation. So the transition means, you know, paperwork and making sure payroll's correct and all that stuff. But it is also listening to them, giving them some support and giving them some ideas for how they can actually go home and communicate this to maybe their partner 
it's a very difficult time and, and, and offering support through that transition is the role of the HR person at that moment. And yes, it's hard if, you know, for, for on that HR person, if that's a long list of people that you need to do that with, because there was a big budget cut and there's a lot of people being let go. And I have in the history of, 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 of my job in my profession, I have been exposed to obviously large layoffs. That's tough on the HR function, but you can get through it by knowing without you, that person wouldn't have had someone to talk to, or maybe they wouldn't have had the ability to think about how they're going to go home and deliver the message that they lost their job, or they maybe wouldn't have confidence that their last paycheck was going to be correct, or maybe the paperwork wasn't all going to be done for healthcare, whatever it might be. That's the value that you bring in your HR role. So compartmentalizing what you're there for and the value that you bring can you know, offer you the support to get through that moment or to get through those um, being on the forefront of change. Hmm. I think that's and important if you're... for... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's important really for um, also f- three types of relationships to the HR role. So maybe to the peers within the whole HR field, like talent acquisition, um, maybe an HR ops role or a learning and development role, for instance plus DHR function towards managers and towards employees. Because um, I think what, what I often see is that the conversations that are happening within these departments are more, or stakeholders are more activity-based or input-based. Mm. Can you do that and that for me now? Open that role for me. Um, are, is the payroll already done or Please also onboard this person. This person needs to start tomorrow. Okay, out of a sudden, nobody knew, but person needs to start tomorrow, right? So I think this is what I what I often see, and this creates a lot of friction. Um, and I think the tip you just gave is really good for that because it takes the conversations to a different level where everybody understands. We all want the same. We just do different things to achieve that. Let's get a bit of empathy towards each other's situation and understand how do I need to operate that I best enable you, that you best enable me. Mm-hmm. And this is where collaboration then works and where you suddenly maybe do the same things as before, but have a very different experience. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and so much of HR is partnership, and and I recognize that um you know a lot of organizations kind of look at that differently depending on their size and the stage that they're in and so on. But um yeah, I mean, and there is a lot of transactional work that needs to be done, but that is equally valuable to mm-hmm. the any sort of change, whether it's scale up or scale down, and and um, really being able to look at your role like well it seems like a lot of transactional work or a lot of administrative work, but without that um there is not the um, the same value to to that person going through the exit or the onboarding. So, yeah, I, I think if, you, if if you're in a role, you have the ability um, to talk with your your um, your teams, and in in a setting like a team building, if you're in an HR leadership role, I would advise um, to look into this sort of newish phenomenon around change fatigue because it's also starting to spill into compassion fatigue, which means. Like this girl I spoke to, a little bit losing heart. Um, we do see some statistics in the HR industry 
where early HR professionals are leaving the industry overall because maybe they weren't sure it was the right choice because first coming in to to this environment, they they feel like this just it's too much, it's too emotional, it's too difficult to handle, and you need some emotional intelligence, but you also need some cycles behind you to see that um, there are going to be scale up and scale down times, and you, you need to just kind of get through some of those cycles to then have um, a little bit more of a mature way to look at it. But if you're in an HR leadership role, recognizing that there may be some people on your team who haven't had those cycles yet and haven't had to go through those changes of such scale, um, even if it's just one resignation in the month, that that can be difficult for the person who maybe spent all that time onboarding them <laughs> and they feel personally left behind. It may have been a good friend of theirs. It may have been a good colleague or someone they really enjoyed being in meetings with or having a coffee with, whatever it might be. So recognize that, that the HR professionals are really, they're feeling it too. Change f- fatigue is, is affecting them. How can you battle it? Talk about it. Make sure they know the value of the role. Help them, remind them of the value they bring every time and help them as a group support one another. Um, as you said, set up the partnerships within the organization to best really recognize how you can provide those transactional things for them when they, what they might need on an ad hoc basis with changes that come up. Um, and that's just some first, you know, fun, fundamental steps that you can do as, as an HR leader within an HR team. What else could you do? Well, I think, um, more on a strategic level, um, working with your executive management team on balancing and managing change and priorities of change. So mm-hmm. um, large scale, you know, right now it's kind of budget season, right? Everybody's looking at what do, what do we need to prepare for, for 2024? And you're looking at your strategies and you're building up what, what the targets of the organization are. And therefore, how are support functions like HR going to contribute to to um, achieving those targets. So in those discussions, I would suggest bringing up the real effect to the organization on change fatigue and bringing up, you know, maybe have, have some extra time to look into your attrition statistics, but also what, where there might be trends. Were they early? Uh, were they people who left early in their um, in, in their tenure with the company or their specific roles that are affected more than other, or is it spread across the whole organization and try and get into some of the, um, some of the details of what's causing that, but it may just be general change overall. It may not be like poor management skills. It just might be the environment of constant change uh, because what may have seemed normal in terms of amount of um, OKRs you can achieve in a quarter or a year in previous years isn't normal anymore because there's so much change on the environment in the industry and Mm. at home and in personal lives. So we have to scale back or have more realistic timelines in place and just stretch them out a little bit. Really think through impact of the communication when you're asking behaviors to change managers and employees to actually do something differently, maybe build into those time plans, um, different um, longer time plans is what I try to say. Like, And also build in some more mechanisms for that change management, which may have been in previous times easy to do with one workshop and a team you might actually need two in these days because there's so much change around. Definitely. And do you think that there is also some change fatigue happening on the, on the management side or don't you see it that much on, on managers? 
Um, well, you know, I, I, I certainly can comment on the on the management team that I work with right now. And in this, this environment, I see, you know, strong, um, highly skilled individuals who are able to kind of see into the future and set direction and change direction and be agile. And I see that continuously. Um, I, I think outside of my organization, if I look at, um, you know, Gartner published something pretty re- recently about this and talking about um, how, you know, change fatigue is usually um, kind of, um, they'll, they'll point in management to blame for the, the change fatigue that employees are facing. But I don't recognize, I don't really think it's the, to, to the right way to point blame at a manager for um, decisions of making changes. You have to be agile in these times. You have to recognize something's working or not working because you have to react to what's happening in your market, of course. Um, so, yeah, maybe there is some um, additional effects psychologically coming into that level of executive and management um, suite and organizations. But from my perspective, I'm seeing people who are really good at that flourish in these times. And the best way to to be successful uh, in that kind of role and that capacity is to really focus on communication and how you communicate, how it's going to affect the organization. Because no matter what, you go out and in all hands and you can say something that you think is really positive news. And then you get feedback later in the week that, you know, so, someone twisted that and thought it was something negative, in fact. So um, we do have to be very careful with our messaging, with all the good intentions that we might have uh, in our all hands. It certainly can be read between the lines or people can, you know, um, take different messages out of that. So spend a little extra time on the on the communication strategy, do dry runs with people, check with different pockets of the organization, how they might receive the change before. So it's just a few extra steps that I would recommend taking. But I certainly feel like, you know, it's time to flourish if that's one of your key competencies or skill sets. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And I think you could also really see that maybe then in pull service, right? If you do that regularly, um, that maybe also the kind of mood goes down or the level of maybe excitement or confidence or whatever you're measuring um, should be or is, is most likely affected in times of change fatigue um, or if if just too much change is happening over time um, and therefore there is a misalignment happening because then at some point if you're switching from direction A to B and then to C, um, it might sometimes make sense to just iterate <laughs> and and make, make make it easy and simple for yourself but it's not 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 that for the people not driving this and have and, and are top of mind so i think if you're not top of mind of changes and and not feel that you are a participant of the change journey then this goes into a wrong direction and this is then actually the opposite what you will achieve and that's um resignation frustration no buy-ins no excitement um open questions right. inefficiency yeah yeah but so, I think that also goes um, towards a direction which may be a different topic for a different podcast, but about being in the office and being near people and being able to talk about those things. So, um, you know, it, being fully at home, being isolated, and then having those feelings and not being part of the change and not mm-hmm. being brought along can be amplified because you're isolated, right? So, I mean, we're seeing a lot of that um, evidence coming through now as well. Um, and companies are, are doing, you know, taking different um, approaches to that. But 
certainly think that in order to support managers who might be feeling change fatigue, because maybe it, 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 it isn't something that they're good at being agile and continuously making change, um, would be in the area of the learning and development professionals. Because if you're responsible for developing a management program or keeping it maintained and facilitating one or rolling one out, whatever it might be, um, my advice would be to make sure that you build in additional weight on the topic of coaching as a manager, because they should be able to talk with their employees on an individual basis as well with a with with tools that come from coaching to help them through the change. Um, not every manager knows how to do that. Not every manager has been um, trained or shown tools how to do that. So I think that that's going to become more and more needed in, in, in the next uh, coming years, especially here in 2024, because I believe that managers um, really who can take a human-centric approach to their management style will succeed in, in, in all of these uh, environmental changes in society and, and the changes that the organizations are need, need to go through, whether it's scale up or scale down. If you have a human-centric approach to your management style, you'll be able to pick up on things that are happening within your teams before they become devastating or someone just resigns out of your complete surprise. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, thank for your insights. So who who is somebody that you know, I don't know yet, um, that I should interview next? Well, um, you know, I, I wanted to mention that we we as HR professionals should also really consider bringing in support for our management and employees around their mental health. And I'll come to the person's name in just a moment, but the reason why um, I'm making the connection here is because I think um, it's very important for employees to know they have a place to go um, also outside of their HR organization to get, um, to get help when they need it. And it may not be help that they need right now, but just, um, to join roundtables of other managers talking about their issues they're having, or maybe it's um, a webinar that's talking about, hey, how do you um, deal with managing a team across all different countries on a virtual basis? How do you include them when they're outside of the office and you have people in the office? So now you have a very hybrid approach to, you have to apply a hybrid approach to your management style. Maybe you want to attend um, some yoga sessions. Maybe you need a therapy session one-on-one. -on -one. So you can find providers that offer these health services, which can help managers or employees. Um, your HR professionals can also make great use of these kinds of services just through, um, you know, working with companies like Nilo Health. So so I've recently gotten to know um, co-founder and co-CEO Enos Rath, and she's the person that I would like to recommend for you to meet, Thomas, because um, with her vision and her ideas, she brought mental health to the forefront. And now it's sort of a common benefit that you find, at least in the tech in the, in the, um, in the tech industry, that that's a common benefit that's offered. And I think um, we're seeing more and more employees engage in those um, preventative measures just to um, pre prevent issues that may come in future if they hadn't um, someone to talk to about um, their stresses or, or something they're facing. So I'd say give a call over to, to Ines at um, Anila Health. I think she'd be a great partner um, maybe for you to interview on a future podcast.
Sure, I would, I would love to do so and will do so. Um, so thanks, Jamie, for your time and all the insights. I really um, enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you. I look forward to it again. Thanks, Thomas. Yes, see you. Bye. Okay, see you.